Hi, hi. How's everyone doing? Another Monday, another episode of BSE. My name is Renee, and by now you should know this. Today I am joined by our lovely guest host, Indra. So Indra's on for another episode, and we really enjoyed this conversation because it is just something that I, I really hope will be eye-opening for a lot of people who maybe maybe don't know or understand the experience because like myself, most of us in the ski industry are the cisgendered heteronormative stereotype. And I want to be as inclusive as I can to any possible way that people could identify, but I understand most what I experienced. So the only way to learn about what it might be like for other people is to listen to their stories, to listen to their experiences, and and just try and understand where they might be coming from and why they might feel included or they might not. And today we have a really awesome guest on, uh, someone who refers to themselves as shit poster extraordinaire, which I love <laughs> because that's how I first out originally found out about them. So we started Womb Cork a couple years ago now, and I originally was posting the memes all on that page. Lately, I've had a little break because school and work has been hectic and life. But shortly after starting that page, we noticed another page that popped up called Queer Cork. And I thought that was so cool. I thought it was awesome because that's not an experience that I can speak myself to. So being able to use that satirical and comedic lens to open up people's eyes to your experiences and also to have people who do identify in those ways have a way of sharing their struggles through this very shareable medium of memes to get the word out and normalize things and and make people feel more safe and more included. And that's exactly what our guest today is all about. So other than the memes, they have a new initiative, which we're going to really dive into why it's important, what, what is the reasoning and the motivation behind creating this space. So without further ado, Indra and I are so stoked for you all to meet Mason Powers, they, them, are the pronouns that we use for Mason, and we are so. Without further ado, Indra and I are so stoked to introduce you guys all to Mason Powers. Goes by they, them and is the founding member of a new space called Mountain Queers, as well as the previously mentioned Queer Cork meme page. Mason is living in Utah, and they are going to tell us all about what Mountain Queers is. But I think one of the main takeaways that I had from originally talking to Mason is just who might feel safe where and why and how the 
groups that we have right now may not be inclusive to everyone. And it's not of any fault for the people that feel that they belong to those groups necessarily, or that started those groups, such as Wumtang, which is a, a group that I helped co-found as well as four other girls, including Tori, my other half in the Big Stick Energy podcast. And I am stoked for you all to learn a little bit more. If you don't already know a lot of the terminology, we do have a few definitions through here that Mason's able to explain for people who might not have heard it before or really understood it. And um, yeah. So we'll, let's get into it. We'll do a quick little ad read and then Mason Powers is on Big Stick Energy this week. Can't wait for you guys to meet them. This episode is brought to you by Mirror Energy. Whether you are Alpine Start, Dawn Patroller, or a leisure skier heading up to the gondola, it's 2 p.m. At the, in the afternoon for your first lap, Mirror has something for you. So these energy products use simple ingredients and whole foods to create nutrient-dense energy gels. There's several options here. You can have a fast-burning gel, which is going to be fruit-based, easy to digest, give you that quick hit when you need a pick-me-up because nobody likes to bonk. They have slow-burning gels, which are going to give you that more sustained for your longer, longer activities, bigger days, caffeinated gels, as well as uh, some hydration products and we're going to help you out with this we've got a discount code out of bounds that is all capital letters and no spaces to use for 10 percent off all the products on mirror's website m-u-i-r energy so mirror discount code is out of bounds and we just want you to get out there get after it and keep yourself fueled properly for these adventures well should we just get started Let's, let's get on get on into it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Mason, introduce yourself. Who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? Um, I get sunburnt mostly. My name is Mason Powers, uh, admin meme extraordinaire of Queer Cork and a recent inclusivity initiative type thing creator of uh, my new project Mountain Queers, which will be hopefully up by the time this podcast drops. Um, and I'm very excited to be here. I've always been told I have a great face for podcasting. <laughs> a great face for podcasting when people don't see your face. <laughs> yeah, that's the joke. <laughs> you have a lovely face oh, and a lovely voice. And that's what matters in podcasts. <laughs> Family recipe. <laughs> um, so shall we dive into Mountain Queers? There's like so many things. Mountain Queers. What is it? So we can start right there. Yeah. So um, it kind of ties into a little bit with Queer Cork. The creation of Queer Cork, the inception of it was really to fill a hole that I saw in skiing in the outdoors and skiing, especially um, where there was just for a while I identified and lived as a woman. And I noticed that as more and more inclusivity initiatives and when there was more effort being put into actively uplifting women in skiing women's skiing got so much better so much cooler there are so many more women doing that 
And then when I started to realize that I was non-binary and I didn't feel as at home in these female spaces, which is of no fault to anyone, I just realized that there was such a hole for queer people. And I wanted to fill that. And I started off as just like a stupid meme page, um, Queer Cork, and it was kind of an immediate flood of people saying, this is the first time I have ever felt seen by somebody that's like me in this space where I don't always feel welcome. And then I was just like, oh, well, the logical next step is I need to do something serious with this. This needs to be taken beyond shit posting, which, you know, is harder than you think it would be. So the, my whole thing with Mountain Queers, that I'm starting off to play on Mountaineers. I'm hilarious, very clever, smartest person on earth. Please send me $400. Um, is it starting off as a website where I'm going to be doing profiles on queer athletes, trans athletes, um, in this context, queer is anyone who doesn't identify as cishet, which means cisgendered, heterosexual people who, uh, people who identify with the gender that they were assigned at birth and people who are attracted to the opposite sex, kind of, you know, what you would think of as just like, quote unquote, normal person, even though that's a loaded word. Um, and in this context, queer means anybody who doesn't identify with that. And trans means anybody who does not identify with the gender that they were assigned of birth based on their genitalia. Um, that was a bit of a trying to sneak in the vocab here. Um, but the Mount Queers is starting off as a website where I want there to be profiles of all sorts of queer athletes. So if you're a young trans mountain biker and you feel maybe not accepted and scared about competing and you're just seeing all this stuff in the media, like the media, but about politics and anti-trans legislation. I want for you to be able to go to this website and see a very successful, happy trans mountain biker that's absolutely killing it. And it's someone that's just like you. And then maybe you could feel a little less alone because I know that in my journey of coming out, I definitely felt alone in that like journey of self-discovery. And a big question was, how am I going to be accepted back into my mountain communities? Because this happened over COVID and I was like, oh, this is just going to be such a big thing. And I just didn't know anybody like me. And eventually, hopefully we'll be able to do some things with events and scholarships. But right now, I really just want it to be a resource for trans and queer people in the outdoors to understand that there are other people out there like you and you are not alone. That's so powerful, Mason. And something that really struck me when you were speaking was that notion of now not belonging to communities that you used to belong to. Like when right. you presented as a woman, you're, you're a white, you were a white woman, you fit in pretty seamlessly into these spaces. And then all of a sudden, now the folks who were in those spaces with you don't know you, don't understand you. Like that reintegration must have taken just like a lot of kindness with yourself and courage almost. So I think it's really cool to be able to create that space so that other people maybe don't have to feel like it's it's their Everest. Yeah, and that's... That is kind of, and it's an interesting, this is something that I really grappled with a lot with coming out because, you know, it's a different type of transition because if you're a person of color, that's just 
always something you always lack the privilege of being you always don't have white privilege if that makes sense but when you're trans and you elect to come out and you elect to be who you are even though you have always been that person it is an active choice to relinquish that privilege and relearn how to enter the world as like how you have to learn how to enter the world as someone who doesn't have that privilege which is humbling um and it also just makes you realize like uh, it makes you so much more aware of how the world works if that makes sense because you are now existing as basically an oppressed person as an oppressed group where other people if you are a person of color that's just always how it is yeah not to minimize the experiences of people of color because they've had to live their entire lives that way. But oh, definitely that not. moment. Yeah. That, and that, mo- but that moment of like, how do I even put words to this? Like, yeah. Having that privilege. And then like all of a sudden it's like, boom. Yeah. And it's just, and it's also, you know, there's a piece of intersectionality that has to play into it because, you know, you can, mm-hmm. I mean, the amount of violence with um, trans people, most of it is around trans black women, like the vast majority of yeah. it. And, and you know, I did not want that to come off as minimizing the experience of no, no. people of color at all, because it's just, it is different. Um, totally. And the thing is, is like, I still present for the moment, I present cis. So I still exist in that privilege, even though there's like other things that come out with where you know, when someone first meets me, they immediately say she, which, you know, isn't their fault. Um, it's just because it's how I look and how it's, we're all conditioned. But it is immediately people see me and they see girl. Even yeah, though that's not how... Yeah, it's not who I am. It's just how I look. But that's how people see me and perceive me. And there is struggle that comes with that. And it's just crazy to me how it's just... To me, it's just totally normal where I'm realizing now where it's like okay that happened I have to really that messed me up a lot but now I just have to continue functioning mm. mm-hmm. totally and yeah I like what you're saying about the intersectionality of it all too right because it's like when we think about all of like the feminist movement in general what people often fail to realize is like the feminist the success of the feminist movement actually hinges on the liberation of trans folks of like trans people of color because they are the epitome of backlashing the patriarchy like they are the epitome of breaking it down and so they have to be at the center and the front of our movements and I feel like that's so often forgotten especially yeah a lot of women will just be like feminism is for women and it's like actually it's it's for all of us (laughs) and and trans folks have to trans folks non-binary folks those who are like actually their identity is um contrasting like our understanding of the gender binary they have to be at the forefront of it so all that to say we really appreciate the work that you're doing to make strides in those spaces and it's really fucking cool what you're doing thank you yeah i I appreciate that yeah, and especially like intersectionality too. Like, 
I don't know if people truly understand it because I have been in many a uh, comment section where you put in the word intersectionality and it, like people just like don't know what to do with it. Right. And in the simplest sense, intersectionality is just understanding that there can be compounding effects to having different identities. So you could be a woman, but you could also have things like your sexuality, your race, and those all compound on the struggles that you may face. So like Indra was saying, like feminism is really for all of us because there's so many different ways that feminism can just make things better for everybody. And like even men, like feminism is not anti-men. It also can make a lot of things better for them too. And if you don't understand what intersectionality means, just look it up. Spend a little time trying to understand it because it'll make you that much more understanding of everybody. Definitely. And I, I like what you're saying too about feminism being for everyone. And, you know, this is something that I recently had to grapple with um, with some other like transmasculine people or non-binary people. It's just how feminism in a lot of ways oftentimes fails like our you know what we see with like the cute little infographics on the Instagram that everyone shares and you feel good about yourself for 20 minutes you know all that stuff it fails to encompass what feminism and all of that really is it's not about the superiority of women or anything it's just in my mind it is separation and liberation from the patriarchy and even though you know trans men and trans masculine like if you're a trans man you're a man but you are also trans and there's just so many little things that you don't think about until you put yourself in the shoes of those people. Like, let's say you are a trans man who is having biological children and you go to the gynecologist and every single like pamphlet, every vitamin, everything is like women's health for women. You as a mom, you as this, we're totally ignoring the fact that trans men can have children still and still be men and there's just not support for people for for that as much and also there's just you know some trans men have periods if you can't if do with like hormones or whatever and you know i don't ever want to discount the experience of trans women because they are so often focused the ones focused most with violence and um, targeted, you know, in legislation and sports and all of these things, they really bear the brunt of it. And, you know, trans women are literally the people who started the pride and like queer liberation movement here in America. Um, and also, I think that there just isn't enough out there for trans masculine and like non-binary masculine people. Um, because there is this really awesome, you know, push for women to be in the outdoors and to be uplifting and encouraging women in the outdoors. But yeah, what happens when you no longer identify with that space, but cis men aren't going to accept you because they just don't understand what it's like to struggle in that way. So it's like, where do you go? And I feel like yeah. feminism is lacking a bit in that it just doesn't account for people. It's basically, I just like want to encourage people to think about what is your inclusivity what is your feminism what is your 
what is your goal here? Because in my mind, it should just be like separating yourself and liberating yourself from the oppression of the patriarchy. Yes, totally. And I feel like when we talk about feminism, a common quote that you'll always hear is like, if your feminism doesn't include trans women, it's not feminism. But again, that's leaving out that entire narrative around trans men and everything that they experience and how still their identities are also like, you know, are being challenged by, they are challenging the patriarchy with their identities. And so, yeah, you bring up such a good conversation that I have also found myself in the space of struggling with because I run an organization around inclusion for BIPOC women and gender expansive folks. Um, But I always feel like in my verbiage, I don't know if it's clear enough that those spaces are also open to trans men. But in the same breath, I've had to look inside and challenge myself. Like if a trans man applied and I accepted them into the program or, or, or if I didn't accept them into the program, was I doing that because I like wanted to make sure all the other women were comfortable. Like I have gone through so many different like scenarios with it in my brain and I've come through it being like, yeah, like it's tough. And I, and I want to be able to like center everybody's experiences and ensure everybody's comfort and make sure that it's a space that's inclusive to everybody while I recognize that like, I don't think my practices have been outwardly inclusive enough to trans men because I've been trying to create spaces for women and like trans women, non-binary folks. But I've also left out, I think trans men often in like my thought process because I default into thinking like, well, they can fall into a space for men. And that's not true. Like that's wrong. Those spaces that are hyper-masculine aren't friendly. Yeah. And you know, this it's definitely not ever something to beat yourself up about because I think this is a conversation that like is really pretty fresh. Like not a lot of people are talking about it. I mean, it was pretty recent that, you know, terms like gender expansive or like WTF for women, trans femme, um, it was really started to circulate in inclusivity circles. It's definitely just a huge learning experience forever. I don't have a good answer. I mean, my answer right now is like for a while I would get upset uh female inclusivity groups are not including trans men but then I just realized like well that isn't a space for us but it feels but because there isn't a space for like trans or queer people really specifically especially in skiing there's uh there's a fair amount of coverage in climbing I think from um this group called hey flash foxy or flash foxy they're super cool so um, sick shout out Shelma June that group is so dope they're so cool. I would just like look at their website when I was making my own. I was like, I hope I'm not copying <laughs> too much from this. But I think that it's just the lack of queer spaces that lumps everybody into female inclusivity. Totally. And it's just a question of like, should female inclusivity should be should it be expanded? Or should there be mo- more focus in creating like queer and trans specific? inclusivity like groups kind of at the same scale that there are women's inclusivity groups yeah and that's like fully I think what I've had a hard time balancing because I'm like I want to make these spaces inclusive but in the same breath that's not my lived experience and so like am I the person who should be doing that you know like it's like it's like how I feel about like 
when white folks try to make spaces for people of color and it's like, wait, no, step aside and let a person of color do that for their own community. I feel that same way around these queer spaces where I'm like, yes, come into my space for sure. But in the same breath, like also wanting to create space for the people who is that is their lived experience. They know firsthand what their community is going through. Like they can do so much better than I can um, in creating that space. But balancing that with also not wanting to be ignorant and like and, and just like and like not creating that space, you know, so yeah. It's a struggle. And even like, I struggle with verbiage too. Cause like, we don't have a word. I have, I've had this conversation with my friends. Maybe you have a word or an idea. Um, I wish there was a word that just described f- folks who are marginalized by the patriarchy. Because like, <laughs> like, 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 I just need a word. <laughs> what, like, there's so many of us. And if you could say that my programs are for insert this word. Um, so I've, I've defaulted to gender expansive, but <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> gender expansive is a good term. I hadn't heard that before. Um, mm. You could just say it's for super hot, sexy, awesome people because that's yeah. what we are. Um, yeah. <laughs> basically, like this space is like, yeah, like <laughs> not for cis het men. <laughs> yeah, basically, it's <laughs> like it's like it. <laughs> y'all y'all have had and still are having your ball over there like we're just gonna go do our own thing thank you the space was already made for you so I don't yeah. know why you have to come and hang out here <laughs> oh gosh I posted a meme about that the other day I'll I'll send it to you guys but it's it was great it was the flamethrower one <laughs> yeah I saw it I, I chuckled <laughs> But I'm just like, yeah, you should you should sometimes encounter a flamethrower maybe once or twice anyway. Um, but it's exactly that. People who just, I mean, like, quite frankly, like, I have to confront my own privilege fairly regularly because there are things that slip by me when I'm doing stuff on Wombcork or when I'm on Wombtang with trying to word things properly and trying to, like, I'll post something, but I won't understand the concept the context of that for someone who identifies differently than me because I just don't see it and it's my own white cis het privilege where I want to do my due diligence in being inclusive of everybody but it's kind of like Indra said like I'm also not necessarily the best person to be the steward for people who identify differently from me because I can speak for ages to what it's like being a woman in the industry but I just really love talking with people who have different experiences because I can learn from it. But I also have to like find that balance of like, okay, well, what can I speak to and what can't I? Because sometimes I think I'm doing a good job and I just completely miss the mark. And it's a hundred percent just because it doesn't even occur to me because I have certain privileges that other groups do not. And then I feel terrible and it's really hard really really hard and I I'm trying and I want to do better and I'm like really thankful when anyone does pick something out and bring it to my attention and like try and say like hey like maybe you should like look into this and I've definitely deleted things I've definitely posted explanations for why things get deleted or etc etc but it becomes like very emotionally taxing work 
which I'm, I know that you both can probably speak to that, <laughs> but yeah. I, I definitely, I have gone through a lot of, cause you know, I still, even though like I am a trans person, I still am white and I like grew up in park city. So it's not like I exactly had the toughest time out there. So there are just so many things that I am not aware of. Like, it is kind of the thought that it's because of how we were raised. We are all homophobic. We are all transphobic. Like, all we're all racist. Like, that's just because that's the world that we live in. And it needs to be an active, you know, active choice to unlearn all of that. And it's extremely difficult. And we all make mistakes in it. Um, that's kind of the whole thing that, you know, I, people say this, this happens all the time. Like every single trans person ever goes through this where they're like one of their cis friends is mis like uses the wrong pronouns or something for you. And they're like, oh, that's not what I go by. I actually prefer they, them. And it's like a 45 minute speech of how wrong they are and how sorry they are. And I totally did it when I thought I was cis. And it's just like, dude, it's not that big of a deal. We're all learning. We're all trying we're all just like even this is a bit of a tangent but it's like when I was coming out my first thought was how to fit into a gender binary like okay well I either have to be a man or a woman so I need to medically transition and do this and do that and it was all really scary and terrifying um but then you realize that it's like the goal of being trans is not to be cis like if that makes sense um a lot of people think that being trans, the goal is to pass. Passing means that you, if you were walking down the street, nobody would be able to tell that you were trans. Um, which is just kind of garbage that that's the expectation that a lot of trans people have because there's no one right or wrong way to be trans. There's tons of people who, who identify as transgender, but only socially transition as in they only have like choose a new name and have different pronouns. They choose not to medically transition like via hormones or surgeries or things like that. And there's just kind of this expectation, I think. Um, this is a total tangent I'm realizing, but um, it's good stuff to talk about. But there's just this expectation, I think, on trans people and non-binary people that you have to fit into this cis world, even though you're actively trying to remove yourself from it. Like, you know, on dating apps and stuff, if you put yourself as non-binary, they say, okay, do you want to be shown to people who are looking for men or women? So it's like, we know you're non-binary, but what are you? Which is just silly. Yeah, it's like, but like, please just find a way to still fit into our boxes so that we're comfortable because yeah. our boxes are all we know. So just like, please fit in so we know how to like label you. Thanks. Yeah. And it's just, it's just like reminds, just shows you how much these things permeate, even though people are like, because a lot of times you just don't know how to ask things better. And like, that's a lot of this things that I'm trying to like really put out there with, you know, what I'm doing with queer cork and mountain queers is like, yeah, sometimes I'm definitely coming for people. Like if you're out here saying slurs and you won't stop saying slurs, I'm going to come after you and you can cancel me on new schoolers all you want. I will make stickers out of it. And I think it's hilarious, but, um, but it's like, I'm not really, if you're trying, I'm no one's going to be mad at you. 
like just make the effort we're all learning we're all trying to do better we are all victims of a world that was built to oppress us like so it's nobody's fault we're all just trying to do better and like I'm not mad sometimes it's exhausting that it's like me someone who is going through my own struggle of coming to terms with my place in the world I have to hold hands of somebody who doesn't have that struggle through their experience of like okay so this is what transgender means and this is why you shouldn't say slurs it's exhausting so it can come off as like yeah I don't want to be having this conversation because a lot of times I don't google is free um but also it's like we're all just trying to do better and learn totally and like I can't remember if I said this the other day or if I just said it in a conversation but like if you aren't if if you are not racist sexist homophobic any of those and all the other more like technically the system failed you like the system set us up in a way that that is how we would end up because that is just like how we are taught to be we're taught to have internalized misogyny we're taught to be racist we're taught to be like super homophobic super transphobic and so it's okay that we're all in this active process of unlearning all of the bullshit that the systems in which we grew up in bestowed upon us like we we grew up in this house and now we have to walk out and learn that everything that it taught us was wrong and we're all learning at our own pace and honestly like as long as you are not like consistently being harmful to marginalized groups to the point where it just feels like you're being ignorant like there's so much space for calling folks in and I totally agree like I'm not always coming out for people's necks I'm not down about cancel culture unless it is something that is just like so blatantly wrong and harmful and continues to be harmful because everyone is learning and we're all learning at different paces totally and I mean like I dead name myself more than anyone probably I'll like say out loud my like my dead name and people look at me like what oh and for for uh just context dead name is uh for trans people or people that choose a new name oh my gosh hold on sorry (laughs) um the dead name refers to the name that they were given at birth which they no longer identify with because in that a lot of times being called that can be really harmful and distressing because it's tied to an identity that is um upsetting because it's just not you um but yeah i'm not saying that i'm misgender and like dead name myself probably more than anyone so as long as there's an effort being made just try that's like all anyone is asking of you yeah i think like humility just goes a long way like if you screw up it's like okay well clearly i just need to research this more because i don't know enough about it and I need to know more about it so that I don't do this again. Like that's kind of where I'm trying to go with it. Do you have any like little just like tips for people in terms of language? Like I, I know like even just in the last several years, the, like, the first time I used the word partner to describe my, I used to live with these roommates and they described themselves as partner. And that was one of the first times that I'd really heard that this was like, probably like six years or so ago. So 
really like in the grand scheme of things, not that long ago, but in ski town world, like quite a like big moment for me of like realizing partner as a word to describe your significant other. And the first time I had mentioned it to my parents, I think my parents first thought they were gay for the longest while. <laughs> And they're like, well, when you say that, I just assume that they're gay. And I'm like, well, no, they're not. And you just make those associations. But now, like, even like I will describe someone I'm seeing as like a partner, significant other, like a non-gendered way of saying it. Because then no matter who you're talking to, they feel more comfortable talking to you about their relationship because it doesn't matter who they're seeing it just like kind of puts everyone on that level playing field and even just like using the whole term i've had someone tell me before too like lgbtqia2s plus i had someone that messaged me because i had used the whole thing on like womb tang or womb cork or, or somewhere and they're like thank you so much because normally people don't use all of the letters and I identify as asexual. And now I feel more included seeing that that's here when normally people don't go so far as to include the whole thing. So you never, I guess my whole point there is that you like never really know who you're excluding by saying the wrong word. Definitely. Even if you don't mean to say the wrong word is like my long-winded point that I was going to make. <laughs> yeah, and that's, I when you said that, I was like, wait, there's more letters on that acronym now? Geez, okay. <laughs> They're, they're just, there's so many and it's exciting, but it's also like, wow, that's a lot of letters. Um, <laughs> it's a lot to keep up on. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like what you said too, about like the term partner and stuff. And I think one of the big tips that I have or like something really cool that you can do is like a straight or a cis ally is use language, like use that kind of language regardless, because it just like, also, I like I've talked to a lot of cis people like cis women in heterosexual relationships that are like, yeah, I like partner better because it doesn't have the hierarchy that comes with boyfriend, girlfriend or like husband, wife or all these things. So it's like, yes, it's this kind of the stuff where it's like feminism helps everybody, you know, like queer inclusivity helps everybody. We can all benefit from this. We're all just having trying to have a big old fun party. So don't come in and be a party pooper. But like, the best thing that you can do is just ask, you know, like a great thing to do is just go up and say your name and your pronouns, even if you're cis, like it's, you know, everyone has pronouns. I love to be like, Oh, I don't have pronouns. It's like, no, you do, babe. That's, that's like third grade grammar. Let's get a grip here. Um, but just like say your name and your pronouns or ask people's pronouns. Or if you, you know, I have a few uh, trans like, trans female friends that don't like being called dude so if someone says hey i actually don't like it when you call me dude be like oh shoot sorry i'll i'll try just like listen you know and if people tell you to do something try your best and but yeah it's also really cool it makes my heart happy when i see cis people and straight people use gender inclusive language for themselves and their like people around them because that just makes it more normal for everyone so it alienates let it alienates trans people less and like queer people less if that makes sense totally totally and like to renee's point on um not knowing who you're excluding by using language i had the most sobering experience going climbing this past summer with a group called Belay All who are based in 
Vancouver, Sea to Sky area and Sea to Coast Salish territory. Um, and there was a group of, I want to say six of us. And out of that group, three of the folks were non-binary um, and a bit more femme presenting. And so there'd be people at the crag and they were addressing our group of people and they would call us like ladies and they'd be like, hi, ladies, is this like your first time climbing? Like, what are you girls climbing today? And there were a couple of, yeah, there was, I think, two situations where the same group referred to us as ladies and as girls. And it was the first time where I was in that setting where I was like, this is the impact of language. Like, this is the impact of like just looking at a group and having this preconceived notion of the identities that people are holding. And then you just like, I just saw the pain in my friend's chests, And I was like, do you want me to say something? And they're like, nope. Cause they're, they were like, I'm used to this, like no use in saying something to people who don't want to hear it. But for me, it was just this like incredibly sobering moment that I've carried with me when addressing new groups of people, looking at new people, like using folks, team, crew, like just ungendered language, because sure, it looks like a group of maybe femme presenting folks, but it, it was harmful to three people that like literally 50% of the group calling us girls, calling us ladies. And it was just this, yeah, light bulb moment of how gendered our language is and, and how gendered and, and binary black and white our assumptions are. Definitely. And it's like your first thing when you're like, what do you, when you're trying to talk respectfully to someone, you say, sir, ma'am, which is gendered. And, you know, I didn't, for a while, like, I actually have gone through a huge kind of, you know, realization. I mean, a couple years ago, I was the type of person who was like, oh, yeah, women shouldn't be paid as much in skiing because they don't do as many tricks and all this stuff. And I just for a while thought about it. And I'm like, that's total BS. And, you know, you have to own that. And I thought a lot about those same things with like queer representation, and then also like BIPOC representation, where I didn't realize how awful microaggressions are until I started experiencing them. And I was like, oh my God, this is what people of color deal with every single day of their lives. And I'm sure you, Indra, you can speak way more to that than I can, but um, it's just a sobering moment where, yeah, once you start to experience and like be around people who also experience like that kind of oppression where you're just totally aware of, oh, these things are harmful in ways that I didn't even realize. And it's a pretty big, like, it's an important and really difficult thing to do, but important nonetheless. Which is why your group Mountain Queers is going to be so special because everyone's just going to get to walk into that space and not can leave those that fear of microaggressions at the door you know like when I go skiing I I'm ready to to be triggered by a microaggression at any point if I'm not going with an inclusivity group but as soon as I'm going out with inclusivity group and it's all BIPOC I'm like I leave all worries at the door I know the space is psychologically safe I am like a hundred percent way more dialed way happier just way more myself like authentically myself and like that's what you're going to be creating with mountain queers like it's so exciting and it's so needed because i i don't think that space exists it might and if anybody knows please comment somewhere these spaces that exist please Um, do because i would love to work with them 
Yeah, they definitely do. Um, but they're just not getting the airtime. Yeah, I the main thing that I want to do with this is like scale, because you're totally right. I was just having this thought earlier where um, I was talking with my friend, she's, uh, she's trans ski memes on Instagram. And we were talking and I just felt so happy about my transness and all those things where when I'm existing in like the cis world, I feel just constantly aware of how other people are perceiving me. And I feel bad about being trans. And I like, feel like it's a curse. And I wish I wasn't like this. But then when I'm and it is horrible, because it's like who I am. And there's nothing wrong with it. But it's just like what we're told. But then when I'm talking to other trans people, I am so grateful for it, because it's an understanding of yourself that other people don't really get, where you just get to know who you are. In spite of you know, the binary that's been pushed on you and understanding people above their gender and understanding people like way more deeply and like yourself way more deeply than I think, which is also the thing is I would love for cis people to be able to do that as well. Like if we just lived in a world where gender, ex- where gender exploration was just totally normal for everyone and it wasn't just a necessity for trans people to like not kill themselves basically because suicidality rates are really high among trans people um and i just think again going back to the thing where it's like oh using a part like the term partner is so much more normal now because a lot of cis people use it like it would be really cool if gender exploration and all that stuff was just normal for everyone because i think it's a really important like process of self-discovery and understanding your place in yourself totally and like it reminds me of something that Mar- or that Renee had said earlier where, you know, you'll never understand certain experiences because of the different privileges you hold. And in the same breath, it makes me feel like your privilege can also be your crux. Like your privilege is like your tunnel vision to your experience. And it's like you're unable to see outside of you. So like, yes, privilege is privilege, but also like it's kind of a disservice because you're unable to see all of these other perspectives and identities and you just kind of sit in that tunnel vision. I don't want to use the word blinders because it feels ableist, but I can't think of another one. But like, that's kind of what comes to mind is like your privilege is kind of like blinders in that respect. Yeah. It's maybe like a dimmer or something like that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it totally is. And, but I do think that privilege is really easily, not easily, but like a great way to kind of get over that crux is to surround yourself mm-hmm. with more like people of color, more queer people, more women, like people that have different experiences than you and just listen. Like for a while when I just like wanted to find out more about how to be like less racist because I grew up in mm-hmm. like a super white, pretty like well-off town. I realized I had like a lot of racial prejudice and I still do. And I have to actively work on that. I just went and I followed like a ton of black creators and like native creators on Instagram and just listened to everything that they said. Yeah. And you start to, you don't understand, but you hear more about their experience and it teaches you. It also teaches you about yourself. Like again, feminism and all of this stuff is, it works well for everybody. Any, everybody can benefit from liberation from these oppressive oppressive systems like it's 
and how to escape that those that tunnel vision is really just to actively communicate and listen yeah to people with different experiences than you because you can learn so much and become so much more of a full person yeah follow creators read books also read like nonfiction books or sorry read fiction books because everybody pushes reading like how to be an anti-racist and it's like go read like fiction novels by BIPOC authors by queer authors like you get so much out of that not just like the textbook history definitely you know if anyone's looking for a uh banger uh queer like it's all around good representation book there's this fantasy novel called the priory of the orange tree it's about a bunch of uh dragon riding lesbians it's a great time um yeah it's awesome (laughs) what is it called again the priory of the orange tree is just like a total high fantasy escape the world type vibe but it's just it just rules and i want everyone to read it because it rules (laughs) i just wrote it down i'm looking I just finished uh, school, like, the last three months I've been doing, like, full-time school, and now yeah. I have, have time to read, and it's going to be, like, summer soon, so getting all my book recs in. Definitely. Sh- you should talk to um, Cy Whitling and I have been talking about this with, oh, like, yeah? doing a queer fantasy book club. <laughs> nice. He does great comics. He's awesome, and I'm also, in, like, I texted him the other day. I'm in love with Subaru Bajas. Um, they're the... They're like the transgenders of the car world. Um, <laughs> I'm obsessed with them. I hate, like, if any of you follow Queer Quirk, my whole thing is I hate four-door short beds. I think they're the dumbest things in the entire planet. Like, what are you going to put back there, huh? Your sneakers? I can put, fit more in the back of my Forester. Like, let's be real. But you can. Subaru Bajas go so hard because they're simultaneously the most and least functional things ever. And they're perfect. And Cy Whitling has one. And whenever he, he puts pictures of it, I'm like... Can I marry you and then have an affair with your Baja? Amazing. They're so funny. I feel like I'm so unfamiliar with Subaru Bajas and now I'm looking at pictures of them and they're hilarious. They look like a transformer. Yeah. And some people like send me pictures of their Bajas and they have like caps on the bed of them. And of course they're all lesbians. And I'm just like, (laughs) fucking rule. Thank you for this. (laughs) Like, I don't even know if one bike tire would fit back there. Oh, they fit. Sai sure as hell fits a bunch of mountain bikes back there, but I'm pretty sure that he just, like, functions on, like, a level of... I don't even know. I just think he's the coolest. (laughs) That's amazing. And I think that people should all follow Queer Cork. I remember when I first saw it come out, and I was just like, this is great, because I can't necessarily make jokes about this because I don't understand it and I'm not going to be able to do it well. And so I can make all the jokes about what it's like being a woman in the industry and then work with you. And like, I love like sharing your stuff and getting it out to more people because some of it is just so good. And it just has, I love it. I am a big fan, huge fan um you guys inspired one of my memes recently the bottom dysphoria meme because i think that is also a thing with just like it's very applicable to trans men as well because a lot of like male and also like short men as well just like all of that a lot of stuff isn't really made for small like aggressive gear isn't made for smaller people so 
it's like, wow, again, feminism helps everybody. Equality helps everybody. That's the point of equality. Yeah, short kings, <laughs> feminism has got your back. Come on. <laughs> and the like gender of the day, love it. Every oh. day I'm like, oh, what gender we got today? <laughs> I've it's actually been it's kind of funny. Some of my friends that I go hiking and like touring with and stuff, they they inspire the gender of the day, and it's very exciting for them when they do. And it's just, I also really like that segment. Something that I really appreciated about that segment that I didn't even know the impact that it would have is a lot of people, like cis people, would text me, DM me, and say, I really like this segment or like this thing that you do because it opens up conversation with me and like my trans niece or my trans kid or my non-binary kid. And like, I may not be able to connect with them and like opening up this conversation is sometimes really awkward, but this is like a fun way to just kind of dive into it and have a conversation where we can both laugh about something that we may have a different experience with, but it's not super serious at the same time. Cause it's like, all of this stuff, like gender exploration, all these things doesn't need to be this whole serious endeavor that has all these like meanings and, oh, my family's, it's like, there's very, like, I will never, like, there's very obviously and very clearly and the, the reality of it is, is there is oppression and struggle that comes with being gender nonconforming um, and being transgender and being queer. I feel like I don't speak about the queer part enough because... I just haven't experienced as much of that world, just like being attracted to someone of the same sex and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it doesn't always need to be this whole tough conversation of like privilege and all these things like this conversation was because that was what needed to happen. But it also can be like for literally everyone. It's like, well, I want to I'm a boy, but I also want to wear pink and makeup. And I also some days don't need to do that. And every like the gender exploration, like gender is fun. Expressing yourself is fun. And it can just be a good time for everybody if everyone lightens up about it just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's yeah. not and scary. I, it's, that comes back to too, like you're saying, like following diverse accounts. Yeah, or even outside of social media, because I know we all kind of get sucked into that, especially like with what we do, how that's like the only thing. Like I know my screen type, when I started doing all this, my screen time like doubled. Um, but it's like just, you know, go to, I know in Salt Lake, there's some really awesome like ballroom scenes, like ballroom as in, oh, I'm not going to get into the whole history of this. This is so long. But um, <laughs> it's like a really important part of queer history. And basically... Um, the first space where queer people could exist and be who they are were these things called the balls that existed that they kind of started in New York where people would like walk categories and dress up and really express who they are and feel fabulous and amazing and be true to themselves. Um, that's a bit of a tangent, but there's like, you know, maybe, you know, understand your place in that and understand that if you're a cis person, that isn't where you're supposed to be. But like, talk to queer people in real life I just went on a whole tangent but that doesn't need to be included the whole ballroom thing I just think it's really cool but like read queer books like follow queer accounts which is again we're trying to get away from social media like make friends with queer people like it's understand your role in all of this like don't go to a gay bar acting like you own the place I know a lot of a lot of straight straight folks like to do that um 
but you know there's there's more that exists in activism outside of social media like it's a great place for all that for social media is a great place for all that to happen because everyone can have their voice amplified and you could talk and it's pretty free to just put everything out there but like activism exists outside of social media you are not going to change the world by sharing an infographic like actually go out and you know write your write your senators and also just understand the intersectionality of it all because you think about i mean there's a lot of homeless queer youth and a lot of things where homelessness is a i'm getting in such a deep hole here um gonna get into this whole thing about never mind um but it exists way more in, in social media where it's like okay well this your mayor may be saying oh we support trans people but they're closing homeless shelters but a lot of the homeless people are queer and trans so what are you really doing to support them there's all these little things that you may not realize are impacting people and of course like a lot of homeless like people are people of color. So if you're saying, oh, we're, we're doing a lot for the people of color in our community, well, you're closing homeless shelters. And also there's like wage issues where not everyone has like equal access to healthcare and, and food and all of these things where all of these issues are in fact race issues and sexuality issues and gender issues where you may not see it. It's not just looking at, you know, the fun and colorful infographic that got posted on the Instagram activism and understanding and active like anti-racism and anti-homophobia and anti-transphobia goes way beyond what's happening on your phone. Totally. And it comes back like exactly what you're saying comes back to intersectionality, right? Like, okay, great. You say you support people of color under which conditions, right? You know, like, like what are like there's always like an asterisk to it and so totally yeah really getting curious about about the systems around us and of course activism exists outside social media it's been big on social media for the last two years when we've been in the midst of a pandemic and that's the only way that folks have been able to mobilize and it's a convenient and an easy way to mobilize it's it's a great way to have conversation in the same breath. It also causes people to feel like they shared this one cute pastel colored infographic. They're done for the day. Wipe your hands. See you later. But like for for the queer community, look up when the pride events in your community are. Like Definitely. to those listening, I know that this is going to come out of it later, but like I wonder how many people know that it's Trans Visibility Week this week and it's awesome that we actually have you. Yeah, on the show during that week. Happy Trans Visibility Week. <laughs> yep. And I could I could go into a whole thing about Happy Trans Visibility Week also. Um, this is a little personal rant of mine, but that um, one of my friends told me that like in a lot of ways, visibility isn't enough because we are visible. But mm-hmm. a lot of ways we are visible, but then like... Um, you look at everything going on with like leah thomas right now where it's like she's visible but she's being reprimanded for being who she is and you know that's a whole other discussion that a lot of people can get into but like you know trans visibility is not enough um it's amazing that like people are seeing that trans people exist and trans people have a space to go up and say hey i am here 
this is how I am. This is who I am. And you need to be okay with that because who I am is not a problem. And also it needs to go beyond visibility. Like it needs to be extremely active defense of trans people. And especially right now, trans youth, like in, yeah. in the United States, there's just so many bills like here in Utah, there was HB 11 that got passed, which makes it so trans kids can't participate in sports with their assigned gender uh, that go outside of their assigned gender. And I'm like, they're children. Maybe, maybe there's an argument at the highest level of sports where it's like, oh, well, you trained with this hormones and that hormones, but really that whole thing is kind of BS anyway, but it's like, they're kids. They're kids who like have played in in co-gendered fucking gym class for all of these years. And now we tell them that they can't compete with each other, even though I know somebody with the different chromosomes would nail me in the face with a dodgeball when I was in the third grade. Like, oh, totally. And also like developmentally, like- people develop at different ages when you're that young and it doesn't matter what your hormones are because everyone's hormones are different and also like a lot of these things are only going to happen with trans people like this is something I wanted to talk about a little bit too with like how gender affirming care is so readily available for cis people like if you've ever thought Mm. about somebody getting Botox or breast augmentation or like older men getting testosterone supplements or like cis women who are going through menopause they get um estradiol like they get estrogen implants but if you're a trans person trying to get any of that good luck because you have to get letters from your therapist you have to get letters from psychiatrist you have to have a doctor like approve how trans you are and it's so hard to find the right doctor because a lot of them just don't know what they're talking about and will push their own ideals on you like all this stuff becomes so much more complicated when you're trans where it's like okay, if you are a cis person, like you think about Michael Phelps, where he has an insane amount of natural uh, bodily attributes that make him a superior swimmer that he was just born with, all that's fine. But then when a trans person is involved and like she has, she has as much estrogen and testosterone as anyone else in that, then it's a problem. Now it's an issue. And it's just the hypocrisy. I really encourage people to think like, would you be having a problem with this if this if the same situation is with a cis person? Like really boil down your argument and what you're thinking about. And is it because of the hormones or is it because she's trans? Exactly. Because it doesn't fit your story anymore. Yep. Totally. Couldn't have said it any better, Mason. Yeah. And I think that's one place where like the ski industry is still really behind and like definitely climbing. We're seeing a bit more mountain bike world. We're seeing a bit more, but the ski world is still not there. Not even a little bit. I feel like skiing, like social justice or whatever. I feel like that's a loaded term now because of whatever, but inclusivity wise is just like 30 years behind everything else. And it's really incredible to me. And it's kind of frustrating because people are always like, it's a sport built by white men for white men. And in our current context, skiing has been going on historically way before. And it's been way different than anything like that we experience now. Um, But when people come up and say, hey, the way that you're doing this actually isn't okay. Um, That's and you shouldn't just be using this as a place as an excuse to be a piece of shit 
then that's an issue. And I think that's partially why it's so far behind because, you know, well, why do you have to make skiing political? And like, why do you have to make this political? Or why do you have to do that political? Or it's like, why, why do you have to be all, I get that you're trans, but you don't have to be so in my face about it. And I'm like, well, why are you so threatened? Skiing is political. Like, get over yourself. <laughs> everything <laughs> is political. Everything we do is political. Literally everything. <laughs> like, it drives me fucking crazy. And, like, the sheer amount of privilege it, it takes to come into any situation and be like, this isn't political. It's like, uh, oh, I just, I'm speechless every time. Yeah. yeah. And, again, there's, like, a piece of it that I don't want this to come off as a defense or anything, but we live in an androcentric world, androcentric meaning, like, it was built by men where it is, you know, you think about like all the little things in the play on the world that are essentially only serve men. Like you think about if you're a college professor, what time are you going to get tenure about the same time that you're going to have kids? And the same thing kind of exists in skiing, excuse me, where um, it's essentially like it was built by white men for white men. And now that that is being challenged, it's like a whole world's rocking thing. And it's not, again, not anyone's fault that it was built like that. It just was, and we're all living in it. But the issue arises when you refuse to acknowledge that and refuse to make a seat at the table for people that don't look like you and aren't mm -hmm. like you. It mm -hmm. is not your fault. Like this is something that I've had to tell people a lot because I feel like there's a lot of defensiveness that comes out of it. It's not your fault that this is how the world is. It is not any of our faults that this is how the world is. However, it is our responsibility to do something about it and make it better. Yeah. Yeah. Like now that you have the knowledge, now that it's been brought to our attention that it's fucked up, like now that you have the knowledge, you have a choice of what you want to do with it. You can either keep walking through life the way that you were, ignorance is bliss, or you can choose to be a part of history and choose to be a part of the change and make spaces more inclusive and kind and friendly for everybody. Yeah. Give like, have, how cool would it be if everybody else got to have the same experience that you did? Because it sound from the sounds of it, you really liked it from how hard you're trying to protect it. So maybe think about how cool it would be if other people got to have that too. Totally. I think that's just a, a really strong statement in and of itself. Mm. Like skiing and then, I know like ski towns too, like yeah. you can have so much more diversity in a city, but as soon as you leave the city, then you're in the ski town and that's its own little echo chamber where you are lacking all of these diversities, Totally. whether it's sexuality, like your gender that you identify with, your race, like cis heteronormativity and also ableism totally. all exist in such high proportions in ski towns. It's very white, it's very able, it's very heteronormative. And I think that is something that can make it more difficult for people to come around to things. Like if you live in a city and you're around this diversity all the time, then maybe it's easier for you to see how other people might walk in the world. But if you don't, then you might not know someone who experiences life that way. And that's where, like you're saying, like exploring gender a little bit within yourself and within your community, like you might have to like really challenge yourself with that a lot more than 
someone who does have queer friends, who does have trans friends and actually can see a bill get passed and be like, well, crap, like this actually really affects someone that I care about. Right. And you have that little bit of like personal reaction to it. So there is like a bit of that effect in ski towns. And I don't like want that to come off as like, well, like that means that you don't have to try hard. It means you have to try harder. Yeah. Because you you don't know like who doesn't live in that town because they don't feel safe living there. That's exactly like we we were touching on this a bit earlier before I, we started recording, I think, where a lot of what you see like for queer people, the safe is to get to cities because that's where all the queer people are. That's where the diversity is. But for me personally, it's like I hate living in cities. I am not a big fan of it. I like to be able to walk out and smell the trees, you know, and I don't want to just be concrete. But then me coming to terms with my own transness made me realize that it's like my options for where I can live and my, for my own safety are going to be extremely limited and understanding like, Am I going to have to sacrifice community for environment or environment for community? And I wonder how many other queer people have those exact same thoughts. And it's kind of like a chicken in the egg thing, you know, where it's like, all right, well, queer people gather in cities because that's where they feel the safest. And these cities feel the safest because that's where there's most queer people. And this is why Mountain Queers is important. Yeah. <laughs> We've said this multiple times and we will keep saying it. But yeah. full circle back to the importance of what you're doing Thank and our you. gratitude towards that. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's I had this talk with someone where it was I was very frustrated about the lack of queer representation and they were saying like, well, what you're doing is good and important. I'm like, I know that it's cool, but I'm also mad that I have to be the one to make it. Like, I think that it's such an honor and I'm like so excited to be doing this, but I'm also mad that I have to be the one to do it. <laughs> yeah, that we still have to be creating these spaces. Like, it's just yeah. a bummer that it like, you know, that, that we're still out here, um, that you're out there, you know, like fighting yeah. for space. And it's, you know, it's just like, it's incredibly frustrating and also incredibly gratifying simultaneously. Yeah. I once had a, a professor give me the advice to find what it is that makes me angry and follow it. And I've done that. And she never warned me that it would be the most exhausting yet also like fulfilling process of my entire life and to sit on the edge of burnout in tears, but then also receive like an email from somebody that makes you want to cry happy tears. You're like, all right, there's the juice of it all. Like, was yeah. it worth the squeeze? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Doesn't matter. It has to happen anyway. Like I mean, also a weird chicken in the egg thing. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, like I couldn't convince anyone to ban four door short beds. So I figured this was the thing I was second most passionate about. So <laughs> I'm so glad that my truck is actually useful. <laughs> yeah, if any but To be fair, like, I have a snowmobile. Like, the short beds, I was like, how does that work with a sled? People that. do do it. People do it. But I just I'd love like, to see a Subi Baja with a sled on top. That I is would, like... I would nut immediately. <laughs> if anybody listening has a Subi Baja... Where's Kai? We, need a, we need a picture drawn here. <laughs> like, please send a picture... 
anything we'd all be oh my so god grateful. is it kai or cy whitling am i just an asshole and getting his name wrong the whole time oh maybe i don't know maybe i am because i've only heard it from like on instagram and then from from an old friend of mine well we'll have to ask yeah well when this comes out one of us is gonna be wrong maybe yeah i think like i see it that way because like my dog's name is kai and that's how i pronounce it so i could be totally wrong but all right that's the new topic of this episode screw mountain queers screw queer inclusivity just about is it a harder soft c how do you pronounce this name kai sai whitling kai (laughs) sai i wonder if i'll listen and i'll be like (laughs) oh my gosh but if he is listening draw us a baja with a snowmobile in it i will i'll send this to him when it comes out (laughs) this is what we want this is what the people need (laughs) i don't know he he does stuff for new schoolers and new schoolers canceled me i'm not sure if we're allowed to be friends anymore okay also i have like one of the most downvoted accounts on new schoolers in like new schoolers history oh yeah and it's just because i tried to get up in the forum about women needing to be paid equally. Oh, it and is like I got ripped to shreds and downvoted into like eternity. And now I'm like top five most downvoted accounts ever. That's awesome. See, I'm not even on New Schoolers. Like I kind of vaguely knew it existed. Um just because I like a lot of my um old roommates were like really big into park skiing and stuff and like street skiing. So they talked about it all the time. But someone, so the, the infamous meme on question, uh, it's on Queer Cork. You can go back and find it. It's about how you shouldn't say the T-slur in skiing. Uh, even if it is referring to, like, going from one rail to the other, it doesn't matter if you didn't mean to hurt your friend when you punched him in the face. You still punched him in the face, and you got to do better. Um, I don't care what, the, what you think it means. I don't care what... Uh, what you think the context is for me and for a lot of other people it feels like getting punched in the face so you need to stop and when i made a meme about it it got reposted to a new schoolers uh thread and people got very upset and there were some there was some there like your the air you breathe should be poison and all these things and people are like don't read the comments you're gonna get really upset and i was laughing the whole time i was reading them i'm like i got the white boys pissed it's just like the wildest thing to me how people will be like i want to say this word even like understand like not being able to reconcile with the fact that like that is so harmful to so many people that word makes me shudder and like i myself am not a trans person and i like shut down if i hear that word and it's just like the fact that people are so (laughs) defensive against this word instead of being like let me just add a couple syllables to make a space much more kind and friendly for other people just baffles me (laughs) yeah and it's you know in that thread it was yeah it's insane but also in that thread a lot of people made the point which actually was really surprising and really pleasantly surprising where they said like well I don't really get it too much but if someone says like that you don't that they don't want you to use the word anymore and keep using it that means you're a colossal asshole and I'm like, that is an awesome place to start. But also think about the fact that there could be people around you that are trans and are queer that you don't know about. And saying that word anyway automatically makes us know that you are not a safe person for us to be around. 
because it's exactly. like we know why we know why y'all are saying it we know why exactly. y'all are fighting so hard to say it again because you know we know you all don't care about a couple y'all can learn to like flip yourselves 18 different ways but you can't add two extra syllables no we know damn well why you want to keep saying that word exactly and it's like it's, we know damn well why you keep want to say like saying racial slurs while it's in a rap song it's like we know damn well why you want to keep saying that stuff you're not fooling anybody and it is not that hard yeah the shit people want to do to just keep maintaining like a sliver of power that never belonged to them nor was earned in the first place yeah is just wild um but i don't know i hope people go and check out your meme because i pulled it up and it's really fucking funny. like <laughs> me a shitty meme it. account with not even three thousand followers <laughs> yeah they they really like people like messaged me and then wrote an article about me it was hilarious and then they like i did this whole entire thing i felt like i gave a very like eloquent explanation of all these like definitions and things like that and he said all of my thoughts and at the end, he was like, I disagree with all of it. Uh, people are d- getting too comfortable. Um, this is all stupid, basically. And I'm like, all right, well, your point was stupid, but I think you accidentally just educated a bunch of these dude bros about, like, what all these terms mean. So I'm going to take that as a win. Yeah. Yeah, some people just, like, even though they rationally know that it doesn't make sense to disagree with what you're saying, like, they will continue to want to disagree. Like, I remember, yeah. I remember there was, like, some post that somebody had made about, like, um I think it was I think it was Adam Jab who made a post on the out of bounds page about being like like I know that we slander e-bikes but like it's brought so many more people into this sport and then like the comments were just like like shitting on e-bikes and then I commented to somebody I was like well actually they're pretty dope because like think about people who might not have been able to bike before but like now because of e-bikes they're able to access trails like if they had health conditions if they're aging like etc cetera, etc cetera. i was like it's actually provided people with a lot of accessibility and this guy comments back at me and he was like it's hard to disagree with that but i really want to and i was like well, if that isn't just the internet like that is that is it like everything you're saying is so on point Indra, because i worked at a shop for three years i've sold electric bikes and the amount of people that buy an electric bike and they're now able to go mountain biking with their kids because they are older and now they can ride with their family because that power gives them enough that they can actually do longer trails that everyone else wants to ride. Yeah. I had like someone who had an injury and then now he's able to ride with his kids because he could only get his heart rate up to a certain amount while he was recovering. Yeah. And like all these, like all these people that would not be riding a bicycle, but now they're out and they're riding a bicycle because they have an e-bike. Yeah. So exactly. like people get their panties all up in a knot about seeing an e-bike out there, passing them on the trail. And I mean, frankly, like I would love to have an e-bike. Yeah, it'd be <laughs> sick. I'd be, I'd ride so much more. <laughs> I mean, I just, that's beyond me. I mean, I just got my first bike with gears and brakes like a, a year ago. So I'm still figuring all that shit out. But oh my god! But yeah, just that comment of like hard to disagree with that, but I really want to. But I feel that so hard because a lot of times it's just information that people need. Like again, like a lot of people just don't know that certain words. Like a lot of people just don't know that the T slur is a slur. Totally. And it's just like cool. 
sorry. I've had that conversation with my friends and them being like, I had no idea. Like I've never associated it to that. And it's like, and I was like, yeah, because your comfort and like your livelihood hasn't required you to like associate it, you know? And like, you're not in proximity necessarily to people who it is. And so, yeah, they came around and were like, whoa, learning, we can't say that anymore. Whereas for me, I was like, wait, people were saying that? Like, that's fucked up. (laughs) Yeah, I I used to say it too, honestly. And now I I say it for a different reason. It's to make cis people uncomfortable. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I'll admit that I've said it in like a skiing term. Totally. Mm -hmm. Like, I think a lot of us have. I absolutely have said it. Absolutely. 100% I have said it. And I don't say it anymore. No. So. Gotta learn. But I think there's a lot of words like that too, right? Where you'll say them and then then you're like, oh, like just the way that our brains have evolved. Like the word, um, I said like the word tomahawk once and like recently and I was like, oh, wait, that's like definitely has correlation to like indigeneity. And I don't know like what it's implying here, but I feel like it's not good anymore. And so just like having those moments where your brain is like, oh, flag feel like that's not cool anymore and like phasing them out of your verbiage like that alone is is really cool like evolution of our brains and of our learning and like yeah Yeah. that like undoing that we're all in the in the midst of oh happens to me all the time i'll just be talking to indra and i'll be like wait wait can i use that word anymore i don't think i can use that word anymore i don't (laughs) feel right using that word (laughs) we don't use that word anymore i'm like okay okay sick okay yeah It, it didn't feel right and I just like needed someone to like, let me know that like my internal like this doesn't feel right also mm-hmm. is because it's not right. We're, we're just all trying to do our best on this giant on fire rock. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Especially well, I mean, it's now. not on fire yet, but I mean like give well, it, a it is months. sometimes. <laughs> give it a couple months, it'll be on fire. Yeah, exactly. And then it's like, oh, it's fine if I go smoke a pack and the air is just pretty much the same. Um, <laughs> It's been really awesome chatting with you. Is there any other little things that we didn't have come up that you would like to talk about before we go? And then we'll make sure that everyone knows where to find you and where to find Mountain Queers. I think we've covered pretty much everything I want to talk about. I had a little bullet point list and that's, I kind of shoved them in there. So (laughs) awesome. (laughs) So where can people find you and where will people be able to find Mountain Queers? We can link it in the show notes so that people can go and check out the website um, because the, the idea, fingers crossed, everything is going to be ready to go when this episode drops. Yeah. I, when is this episode dropping, by the way? TBD. Okay. <laughs> we'll cool. chat Whenever Mountain Queers is ready, duh. <laughs> okay. I need a headline. Um, no, you can find me at, um, you can find Queer Cork on Instagram at Queer Cork and then mountain queers i believe we had a thrown underscore in there it's um mountain underscore underscore queers on instagram and then the website is going to be mountainqueers.org you can find me at a freemason ski but i'm not all that impressive you don't need to check that out i'd rather go check out the other things because i think they're way cooler um yeah that's where i am Awesome. Well, Mason, thank you so much for hanging out with us, for laughing with us, for sharing so much of your heart and soul with us. And we're stoked about everything that you're doing and hope that we can be in this journey with you as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. Thank you guys so much for having me. I had a really good time. <laughs>